Welcome to Growth Island, your go-to podcast on how to be the best version of yourself. Now, let's join your host, Mess Freeze, as he interviews high performers and experts in nutrition, meditation, exercise, relationships, business, general health, and life's bigger mysteries. Welcome to today's episode of Growth Island. I am Mess Freeze, and I got the pleasure of being your host again. So today, we don't only got one guest but two amazing guests. I got Mikhail Aukenberg, who's a human physiologist, and I got Johannes Hoset, who is a design psychologist. And they are going to talk to us about habits and how we can change them for the better. So welcome, guys. Thank you so much for Thanks. coming on. Nice to be Good here. Good to be here. So could we start with just a brief introduction about who you are, what you're doing, and mm-hmm. so on? Yeah. Uh, my name is Michael. I'm a human physiologist. Um, to put that in layman term, I'm the guy who prescribes how to become healthy from a mental and physical aspect. So I have a background as an athlete for many, many years and uh, as a coach. And we have done for many, many years a health initiative in corporate and workplaces to help people to become healthier and change behaviors. That's basically my background. And now you are taking all of that stuff, the good advice, and turning that into a scalable solution as well. Exactly. So if we want to help people at scale, then we need a solution that is actually still personal. And that's what we do at creating a company called Tiba. And we help people to change unwanted habits. And you are the founder of that. Yes. We'll get more into that later. Yeah. And I'm Johannes. I'm a design psychologist. So I work with um, understanding the people you're designing products to. Uh, via decision making and cognitive sciences, and I recently joined uh, TBS War. So habits, why are habits so important? Well, habits are important because they fill most of your life, and often without knowing. You have this thing called that habits is uh, the who you are when you're not paying attention. So uh, we use a lot of uh, the habits that we have in everyday life to make it easier to navigate through so we don't have to pay attention to everything all the time. But that also means that sometimes we don't really notice the effect of the habits we actually have. And habits is also often when we do the things that we don't want to do. Well, habits can be both good and bad. Mm-hmm. Good habits, you would know from, hey, I feel healthy, that's a good thing I do. Yeah. But very often you notice the ones you don't want to do yeah. but you don't really know what to do with them like reaching out for the chocolate or snacking or keep worrying the more mental habits so yeah. so you basically uh, most often notice the habits you really want to be be without yeah so often the snacking or the habit of ending up watching netflix instead of going for a run right yeah and then you also have the new year's uh, resolutions those are the well-intentioned, but also, unfortunately, failed habits. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So what can we do about these habits? If we know they're really important for our life. So a lot of research says that we have a million decisions a day, and a lot of them are made by habits. Like, how can we, how can we change our habits? Well, the first step is becoming aware of it and finding out which habits are you motivated to change. Because if you don't have motivation and the intent to change, then there's not not much to do about it. So the first step is identifying which habits you are essentially motivated to be without. So when you know which, then you can start working with habits. And in this regard, it's really important to know uh, the foundation or the framework for what habits habits consist of. And 
one way to put it is to illustrate a habit as uh, when you hear the bell from the ice cream truck and then suddenly you have the urge to, hey, I want to go buy an ice cream. Yeah. And that's because the habit of buying that ice cream has a trigger. In this case, it's a sound. And habits always, in some shape or form, has a trigger. It could be the smell of burnt almonds. It could be the sound of the ice cream tr- truck. It could be the mental habit of, of, oh, I notice I'm worrying. So there's different uh, triggers around. Most often it would be from, oh, smelling the almonds or seeing the chocolate on the table, something visual. So there's different triggers. And when you start to get to know those, you know why you do the routine. And in the end, it's very rewarding to do a habit. So let's say I want to get rid of a habit of snacking. What's So I'm aware that I have a habit of snacking. And then I need to figure out what are the cues for me to start snacking. Right. Is that understood correct? Yes. Typically, you don't uh, really understand that you have the habit of snacking until well, well into your habits. Yeah. So it takes a while for you to realize. And then once you stand with a ton of snacks in your hands, you think like, oh, I really need to do something about this. This has gone way too far, for way too long. Uh, and the reason why it takes us so long to realize the habits that we have is that because uh, they become very automatic responses to uh, the context that you're maneuvering in. And when they become very automatic, you don't take in new information about the effects of the habit. So that goes for both the positive and the negative effects of it. You don't really come to realize it. And you don't as well seek the new information about, hey, what is actually happening here? Yeah. Yeah. So if we want to break a habit, so let's say the snacking, you're saying now we're aware that we have a habit. We start noticing there's a cue. So the cue might be, I think for snacking, it might be that you smell it or you see it, or the cue, what could that be if the, if the snack's actually hidden? So I think most, most people know that it kind of helps to hide the snacks at least. That can well, be well, the that's first- That's one strategy. That's one strategy first, yeah. like you hide the snacks so you don't see them straight away. We can divide them up into in two different categories. One is um, when you know the trigger, you can, uh, you can teach yourself to be in that moment and, and work with the habit. So don't remove yourself from the situation. But the most used case and the easiest one for most is either remove the trigger, remove the chocolate, put it out of sight, hide it, basically, remove the visual trigger or remove whatever is triggering the habit. Or you can remove yourself from the situation like if it's a social setting mm. or other things where you can't remove the trigger, but then you can remove yourself at least. So that's the easiest way probably to, to start avoiding a trigger. But if you so can't would, remove it, then what? Term, that would say move the chocolate mm-hmm. or not buy the chocolate. Mm-hmm. Or, or don't go into the place where you always buy it. Yeah. Avoid the situation itself. Yeah. So what if you work a place where there's a lot of snacks? Right, yeah, you can always avoid the place that you have the habit in. Then you can do other tactics as well. You can just simply, when you notice the place that you're in, just say, hey, I'm looking at a chocolate. I'm working at a chocolate factory. I'm actually, I'll, I'll allow myself to eat it, but I'll just wait a minute. And once you do, uh, delay that with a minute, you de- you deconnect the context and the cue with your action or your your habits mm-hmm. and that is really really good for just uh, weakening that uh, response or that connection that you have so saying to myself okay i'll get the chocolate i'll put an alarm mm-hmm. and in one minute's time i'm allowed to eat it yes and then you're saying 
a minute after, I actually don't feel like eating it as much. Right. It actually, should counts. be very much less okay. at that point. So disconnect the cue with the context. Yeah. Mm. You can also say if I don't, if I can actually remove myself from the context, I can change the context. Mm. So say that you have a habit of overeating at dinner, like you had a long day and you feel really tired and you just want to get some food in. Obviously, you can't avoid having dinner with your family. You have to eat, right? Yeah. But you can uh, you can alter the context, what is actually there. So a recent study found that uh, just by using smaller plates, people actually use, uh, uh, they eat less food. So that's one example of altering the context and the cues within the context. Yeah. And you were saying, Michael, more in regards to, to stopping some of these habits. Yeah, so... The point is that you can either start to work with the habit, so accept the situation and try to deal with uh, whatever habit is occurring, or you can remove yourself or it from the situation. So which is the better solution? Well, most habits is something you can't just avoid forever. It's, it's some, that's life, basically. So habits occurs and there's good and bad habits. So how do we deal with the habits that we are forced to interact with? That's the broader question. Right. And what's really important to to realize is, for example, uh, eating-related habits, like snacking, really simple one for most. But for those who are really struggling with this about they can't really stop, they do it 20 to 30 times a day. It's an unconscious, continuous act that they struggle with and can't stop themselves. And that's usually because it's connected to something else. It's not just because they see the chocolate. It can very much be a feeling of being frustrated or stressed. It's not only a time and place or scent. It can very much be a feeling that is the, the arising trigger for a habit. So, but how do you get to know that what habit it is, what trigger it is? You have to explore it. So basically, if you master your awareness, you become aware of when your habits occur and take a moment just to, to notice it, basically. So whenever I... For example, working on a habit right now that is nail biting. Whenever I catch myself working, oh, I'm biting my nails, I'm not just flying past it. I'm taking a, a moment to just, oh, what I'm doing right now, what what feeling is arising. And if you explore it, being curiously aware, then you can learn more about your habits and what's the associated trigger. And in my case, why I bite nails, apparently, I notice, is because when I'm excited, if I watch sports and television, I, I start fiddling and biting nails. I didn't know that before. No. That's a new feeling I, I noticed. That was the connection apparently. Now I know it's really easy to break. Yeah. Because I taught myself to, to stop and notice it. Makes sense. But what if it was being stressed? Then the action to change would be different. Yeah. Then it was being inside. Exactly. And so how do habits and willpower lead? Because for example, if you're talking about snacking or something else, you might have a habit of doing it. And then it's the willpower of not doing it or changing the habit. Right. Well, I'm sure some of your listeners have heard this famous experiment about uh, the marshmallows. Yeah. So that kids were uh, told not to eat the marshmallow in front of them because they could have two marshmallows if they uh, chose to wait. And that was sort of like a famous example of uh, the willpower or what they called ego depletion. What has later been found is that that sort of theory doesn't really stick in reality. It isn't like a finite resource that you have, that you have a finite resource of willpower. What is actually happening is that um, when we divide our conscious attention towards something, we use what is called our central executive functions. That's sort of like our pinnacle 
cognitive functions when we really think about something. And that can only be divided to one thing at a time. So you can't really multitask in the way that we say we do. What we really do is shift our attention between tasks really quickly and really inefficiently. So in regards to willpower, you really have to focus your attention to one thing and then the, the feeling of feeling tired that I know a lot of us have, that is a feeling of, of missing out on other things that you could otherwise focus on. So I think instead of saying that you should train your willpower to become a more capable person, uh, we should actually help people with uh, making the world easier to focus on so that they don't have so many things to focus on at once. Yeah. Yes, I think willpower is super fascinating. So I read the, story, or the study the, with the marshmallows and I heard, I had a class at Harvard on some of this stuff. Mm. And there were studies showing that you have a limited pool of willpower. But then there were other studies saying that that was, that was not true at all. Mm. So it's super hard when you have that mm. conflicting science saying both things. Right. But also your perception of whether you have limited willpower have an effect on whether you have limited willpower. Mm. And then of course, there's something with sugar levels and also and I think that's what you're saying as well. You're, how many things can you pay attention to? And if you have too many things, then it's harder to like keep that willpower and you kind of deplete that. But so how do, how do you use that when you work with habits? So, so example for me, when I wake up in the morning, I try to make a habit of breathing first and then do some kind of movement. And that's very hard when I'm tired. Mm. It's much easier when I start building a habit that I've done it seven days in a row and the eighth day is easy. But if I then go travel and I come back, I have a hard time getting started again. The first days are really hard. And I kind of feel like I have to use some willpower. Right. So my question would be, how did you actually start that habit? Like, how did it come to be? Probably, yes, I read a lot of stuff about productivity and how to be the best version of yourself. And something that consistently shows up is starting day breathing, some kind of meditation and some kind of movement is really good. So that's why I decided like, I wanna start trying to do this. And my day feels much better when I do it. So I can feel it's a really good start on the day. I also feel like I started the day really well, I did something good for myself and my energy is just higher. Mm. So your motivation was, was really high when you started it. And now you have some experience that this works well for me and that funnels into a higher motivation to keep going with it so so it's a good thing that you do you connect it to when you get up that's a time of day the first action you do when you get out of bed that's this action so you pair a uh, already existing habit with an action and build them in prolongation of each other mm. so when i get out of bed i do a then i do b then i do c and that's maybe one of the, the, the strongest way to build uh, build habits is build them in in a succession of those who already exist. Yeah. So if you want to build a habit, for example, at another uh, time of day, it could be after you brush your teeth, I will always do this. Yeah. So when you reuse an already existing habit, you can use that as a trigger for the next. Yeah. And that's something you don't need to, to try to avoid or change, you just need to build in succession. Yeah. But that's a really good strategy you, you found. Yeah. And what about how many habits you build at the same time? So I, I have a tendency to want to do a lot of stuff. 
And I remember my ex-girlfriend told me, like, Mess, you want to do way too many things at mm-hmm. the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps you need to just do... Are you successful with that one, strategy? One new, one new habit at the time. Yeah. Focus on that instead of these five different ones. And why do you say one habit at a time? So, once you have a habit, that's mm-hmm. my experience, and it's become a habit, not just an intention that you have, mm-hmm. then it doesn't take that much energy to do. Mm-hmm. You just kind of do it automatically. Mm-hmm. So that's why it can be harder... I think to do five things that you want to build in at the same time, mm. it's easier to get one thing at a time that you kind of get incorporated. But I might be, I might be wrong. It might be easier just to start with five habits at the same time, so you really change your life. No, it actually sounds very right, at least according to the latest research. Because uh, what you want to do uh, when you're starting a new habit is that you really goal-oriented, like you have a uh, a focus on. I want to start a new habit. And I want to evaluate it. Is it good or is it bad? And we actually do this via the dopamine that we get from from doing the habit. And we want to be curious and um, attentive to all the positive and negative things. So if you want to do that for one habit and then four other habits at the same time, that's going to be a lot of attention throughout your day. Mm. So it makes sense to do uh, one habit at a time. And through repetition, it becomes more automatic and uh, by that you use less energy on that one habit. Yeah. So how long does it take to build a habit? Someone said 21 days, someone said something else. What's your take on that? That uh, depends on which paper you read. Yeah. So there's a large variation, but one thing it's connected to is the habit strength. Yeah. So how strong is the habit you want to change, which is individual. Um, So some says it's take 14 days, 12 days, others more than 120. So it depends. So it's in relation to how the habit strength is is with the current habit you're trying to address. So the point is, how do we change it? We change it by repetition. Change it by noticing it and doing the alternative course of action every time we notice the, the trigger. So the more efficient you can do that, the more repetition you can build in and build the automaticity of the new habit. And I remember we discussed something, Michael, when we went for a walk. Something about if then. What what is that in regards to making sure that we do that? Well, if you don't have a tool to work with or uh, something to support you, then if you're really motivated, like I, I definitely see that you are, so you could use this. So when you are in your moment of high motivation, then it's a moment to decide what would I do next time I meet this trigger. So when I notice A, then I will automatically do B. Set an implementation intention ahead of time and stick to that rule every time you become aware of A happening. So do an implementation intention. That's a really efficient method that if you're motivated, then you can keep reminding yourself on that that path. And that should provide you with a much higher success rate of actually changing a habit in any circumstances as long as you have the ability to to be noticing it. Yeah. Mm. So, so if I, I remember when we talked about in the paper I read as well, it's like, so I want to exercise after work. And I know the three things that are most likely to get me not to exercise after work is I go home, I get on the couch, then I'm not going to go for a run. Mm. So what can I do to ensure that that doesn't happen? Mm. Okay, I can make sure I bring my clothes to work, I go for a run there. The second thing is, I'm low on energy because I haven't had food or something else. Mm-hmm. What do I do then? So strategies for the three most likely things that's going to do that we're not going to do. That. You're basically planning ahead of time. 
Yeah. So, on your experience, you notice that in this situation, you don't succeed. When I'm tired, when I'm out of energy, when it's late at night, or when I get home to the couch. Yeah. You, you already know your challenges. So, what you found yourself doing is trying to avoid those situations by planning ahead of time, looking towards the future. So, doing this planning, you can avoid those situations and, and make the conscious decision beforehand. And that makes it easier to, to get into a, a good, good habit. Mm. I actually think that's the main reason why New Year's resolutions fail. It's because they've, they're very vague in their expression, like, I want to get more fit, but what does it actually mean and how are you supposed to attain it? So I think what you're really good at saying is that you shouldn't always have only a plan A, but also a plan B and a plan C, because you're going to derail from your objective at some point. You're going to be too tired to do the task, but then it's important to think, okay, so if I'm too tired or if I got derailed, what can I do to get back on track? That's really important to have. Yeah. And have that in advance. You really, you know what to do and you don't have to spend a lot of energy on thinking of a, a strategy. I found for, for getting up in the morning and doing exercise, it helps if I put the gym clothes on the floor. <laughs> yeah. So then I go in and do my yoga session and if I have the my laptop ready as well, that it's actually easy just to open and not go to Facebook or something else. But it's the very first thing I do in the morning then I'm more likely to do it than if I don't put the, the cloth ready. Mm. That's the, the planning pa- pattern that works very well. Yeah. But still, when you look at uh, across a, a larger population of people, not everyone has the motivation to, to start doing these actions and plan ahead of time. So, so it's really important for people to, to learn some kind of strategy that works for them. So the easiest one, going back to the beginning, avoid the triggers. But also you could start building your environment, for example, with, with uh, reminders at home. So you could place a sticker on the wall with a motivational sentence or something that reminds you of an action you want to do. So you can, instead of avoid a situation or vo- avoid a trigger, you can create triggers for yourself. So if you, you're aware of the skill that you have the power to change your environment and create triggers, then you can continuously invite yourself for doing, doing habits or actions you want to do. Hmm. I think this falls very well into the movement of biohacking um, in the sense that we see companies doing uh, triggers with their apps, getting you to perform a certain behavior and they have the, the power of you doing these triggers and it's really addictive. But you can actually design these triggers for yourself in your own life as well and it works just as well. Yeah. yeah. An example of a how I'm using this at the moment. Um, a week ago, I, you know, two weeks ago, I had a conversation with my, my girlfriend that, have you noticed that our son, he's much more happy if we don't turn on the television? Yeah, we noticed. Hmm. We should stop doing that. Stop doing that. But how do you do it? Then what we agreed on is that we have the motivation because we can see it does something positive. So what I did was I took a little piece of tape, a one, one times one centimeter of white tape, and draw a smiley on and showed her, showed her to her. Well, you know, Tobias, he's happy, and then says smiley, when we don't do this, and then I put it in the corner of the television. So even that we don't notice it consciously, we know it's up in the right corner. So when we grab or reach out for the, for the remote, we might not consciously notice, but that is still affecting us because we know it's there, we know the meaning of it. So you can place these uh, triggers in your environment to affect yourself and not yourself, basically. And what's happened the last two weeks, we, we, I'm 
quite positive surprise that we're mostly not turning on the television at the moment. So, but the thing is, you can't keep the trigger there all the time. You have to change the position or revisit it. So you have to create a variation. Otherwise, it just becomes the new normal. Yeah. But you can use this for your own good. If you consciously put a trigger in the, the locations where you want to do or avoid stuff. Hmm. I also think that's true for rewards as well. What you get out of doing this new and healthy behavior. Because um, basically the incentive to do something, the long-term gain, is going to be the same. But that can always motivate you each and every day. So you, you have to have something, a reward that varies, something that is different, something that's new and exciting. Yeah. Are there any other strategies that are good in regards to changing or building habits that we haven't touched upon? Well, I was thinking of one thing. It's a little different. It's much more connected to meditation and mindfulness. So one thing about Buddhist meditation is, for example, uh, working with an acceptance strategy. So if you go into a situation where you are having an argument or interrupting people, having something you you have to deal with, one strategy that that's, would be taught is to work with acceptance, accepting others or accept yourself. So... Transfer this into being mindful in the moment when you notice. is Whenever you notice the urge or the habit you don't want to do, if instead of postponing it from a time perspective, then try to go into the moment. Really try to explore it with curiosity. What is the feeling? How are you? But don't judge it. Try really to go into the feeling and explore it from an honest perspective. But the hard thing is not judging. That really connects to, to how meditators want us to observe our mind and if we can disconnect the judgment from the observation then we have an opportunity to really explore and that's part of the being curiously aware mindset that the further you can explore this the more powerful you can actually observe and train your mind it's kind of like when you say in, in corporate what you measure if you don't measure it you can't change it well if you don't really go into and observing and, and do this body scanning then you don't really get enough information to to try to change it So it's with the intent of knowing more about yourself, you have to explore with this mindset. And that's a little a different method, but it's for some people that are acquainted to that mindset, it really works well. Right. I'd also say to really explore what kind of motivation you have. Say you're really motivated to lose 10 pounds. That can really differ in terms of where that motivation comes from. Is it actually something that you want to do for yourself because you think it's good for you and it'll feel nice and it'll be fun afterwards? Or is it something that you do because uh, you feel pressed or um, coerced to do it by somebody else? That typically uh, changes behavior in the short term. But for long-term change, you really need to have yourself in the movement as well. You really need to be at one with the thing that you're trying to change towards. Yeah, makes sense. So, Michael, you've been working as a health professional for several years, mm -hmm. helping I think, hundreds of thousands of people already on a more one-to-one -one basis and having a lot of professionals, everything from coaches to health professionals and so on, health individuals. Mm -hmm. And then you decided you wanted to do something, scale it up. Can you tell me about that journey? Like, how did Tiba come to, uh, to mind? Well, Tiba really started maybe 10 years ago, on, on, on the journey of, of how to help people change from different, different perspectives. And my journey started many years ago when, when I was introduced to, to coaching. 
how to really be inquisitive and help people find the answer. And as the years went by, went by um, I, I worked with a company that we provide a health initiative for corporates. And what we really found was when we have psychologists and physiotherapists and other uh, coaching professionals and have them provide mental tools for change. So helping people to find ways of how they can change the behavior themselves. That really works well. People want to know how to deal with it and they want to be empowered to do it themselves. That's where we create really strong motivation and change. But the challenge is it's really expensive to use consultants. And from that venture, that's where Tiba came to be. Because Tiba is a company that helps self-improvers to change their habits. And we do that by a concept of a support app and a what we call an available. So a device that teach awareness to change. And, and that device, just a short sentence, it's a wristband. It's a wristband in its current shape and form that you interact with every time you notice your habit. Yeah. Because the strongest uh, initiator of what we talked about is getting to know our triggers. So whenever you notice that you're reaching out for chocolate or you have that urge to do, it could be the mental habit or physical habit, we teach people a small, small associated habit to stop and notice and click the wristband. That little as is a conscious act. That conscious act is part of breaking the unconscious behavior, making the unconscious habit conscious for a short moment. And that's where we, we want people to be curiously aware. Teach people to just notice what they're feeling, where they are, or what happened. From this moment, they have an opportunity to implement a new, new habit. Because we, as we talked before, we widened the gap between trigger and the routine. So now we actually have an opportunity to change the, the little moments. And that's what we do. So we help people to change with a device, and then we nudge people with content in the support app that we supply with it. So we help people to reflect. Because all this stuff about changing habits can be, well, for some it's really easy because you have motivation and focus on it. But for most people, it's something that's not necessarily high on their priority list during the day, or they don't have the skills to change. And that's the skills we want to bring from the support app. We want to teach the skills to change through a notching mechanism. So we bring it to you in a curated form. So you press on the wristband. Yes. And in the future that can be other things, but to send the cue when mm. you become aware of, I was about to snack. Yes. About to smoke. Mm. Or I'm getting a bit anxious right now. I'm telling myself bad things. Mm -hmm. And then you press it, then you start to think about what's happening right now. You capture the moment. Just stop. How do you and well, it's a, it's a mental task that we teach people to, every time they stop and notice, they should take a few seconds or grab the moment of just noticing, being curiously aware. So that would be a different action for different people, but it's basically just becoming aware of how you are in the moment. It's usually feeling people notice. And that act in itself is non-transmental. We don't want people to uh, hit themselves up the head of, oh, now I did it again, because that's the inner dialogue arising. We want people to have a positive pattern back, so that's a positive action. So we teach people to stop and notice, become curiously aware, and then they can move on, do the action, grab the chocolate or not. But the important thing is that you became aware. What we know is that if you're motivated to change, then you would most likely move in the direction of where you want to change the habit. So if you're motivated to be without that chocolate, you're most likely to 
to choose an alternative course of action. Mm. So we have boiled down the conservative to the most simple form, a stop and notice. That's the first act of change. When you're aware, you can change it. And then in other moments during the day, not the same moment that you interact with your Tiba, but in other moments, we send you notifications on your phone with mental tools, reflections related to the habit that you interact with. So it's a learning and a task that you need to interact with that we try to create the right reflection for you to notice the relation of your habits or what you can do about it. So these mental tools are changing. That's what we bring in the app, but not in the same moments. So you can basically go around your everyday life, in your meeting, on the bike, in a conversation. You could do a stop and notice and just grab the small moments of awareness. Mm -hmm. mm. And we want to try to make these messages that we send out really personal and applicable. So if people don't find them valuable, we'll simply change them into something that is more personal and hopefully applicable. And so how far is Tiba right now? Can people go use it? Or how can we get involved? Yeah, Tiba is going to market. So we have our our first finished product that's ready for, for use. And we are right now doing a, an effect study. So we're recruiting 200 people to test the service. So if people want to change your habit and maybe some of your listeners would like to, they're more than welcome to reach out to us. Then we can help them out. So what it requires is that they are willing to, to use the service for a month and take part in a survey and interview. So before and after. So we get to know what's valuable and what's not. Yeah. So 200 people going to test how it works. Mm -hmm. Anyone that wants to test the habit, they can be part of this pilot study. Mm -hmm. And I know you've already done one study before mm -hmm. that shows some good results, but now you want to scale it up. Yeah. It's free to be part of the study. Hmm? All you have to do is join for one month. Hmm? And you can go directly to our website, tibalife.com. Yeah. There you can sign up. Uh, or you can just uh, write directly to us. In I, I think we want to add a, a direct email some, yeah. somewhere below. I'll add in the show notes how to find it. Hmm. Cool. That's exciting. We think so. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, and it's always fun to be part of, uh, of new projects hmm? and, and see how it works. You did a study already. Yeah, we did a pilot study, yeah. um, lasting for, for actually two months. So one month using the service and one month after just as a follow-up to see what happens after, to yeah. actually stick with the process. We recruited uh, people who were pre-diabetic, so within the type 2 diabetes space, and people who wanted to change an, an eating or snacking-related habit. And what we found was that uh, they lost 5.2 kilos over a two-month period. Uh, by doing this stop and notice and had a simulated service of what we do now. So we actually send them text messages with these reflections instead of a, a support app. Yeah. And they reported back that they, it was really easy to use a stop and notice and they, in many ways, found them self-reported that, that they succeeded in changing their habits. So that's the data we are building on now and we want to see if we can replicate that with 200 people and build upon it in a more di digital fashion. Yeah. Cool. And you don't have to be pre-diabetics no. to be part of the new study. It can be all kinds of people, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. All you have to have is one habit that you want to change. You want to be motivated to change a habit. You want yeah. to be a self-improver. But yeah. I don't think that's hard from your your, your listeners. No. But it could also be some listeners, friends or family members, mm. as long as there's some motivation behind actually changing a habit. Yeah. You can tell other people to change. So don't don't try <laughs> to go and tell you have to change that habit because I want you to. Yeah. It has to come from within. Yeah. So if 
if you have intrinsic motivation to change, then this would be a, a something that's interesting. And can people join globally, or is it specific to Denmark? Or well, you can sign up on our web the yeah. page for a, a, the, the newsletter. But we are right now testing locally in Denmark. Yeah. But uh, if you want to know more about our development and when we come available abroad, then you should just sign up. Cool. And before rounding off, any like one tip if you have to give about becoming the best version of yourself. Can be habit related, can also be something else. I think if I have to, to start up, I think it's when we are self-improvers and we want to change, it's about being curiously aware. I think that's the where it all starts because we have motivation in this group of people. And as long as you have a, a curious mindset to explore and take a time to notice, that's where it all starts. That's where you gain more information about what you can change and what you feel and find your balance. Because all solutions is individual, so you have to stop and notice and be curious aware of what you need to do yourself. Mm. I think my advice would be to be not stagnant. So a lot of habits uh, just make you become automatic and one-laned. So really try to be uh, explorative and as, as you said, mm. curious. Try the same mindset. Yeah. Try to be sort of like a your own personal inventor. Yeah. Figure out different things, try them off, see what you like, see what benefits you, and then stick with that. Cool. And of course, next back to, I think, what we have in common, these two advice, is about changing is something that uh, addresses your identity. You're moving from a identity now to a future identity. Mm. And that has to come from, from a movement from A to B. Yeah. Where can people find you guys? Well, we are located, uh, Tiber is located at uh, Pier 47, so uh, in Copenhagen at, at the end of Langlinia Allee. Yeah. And uh, people are always welcome to, to reach out. Yeah. We are always having a warm coffee or tea. LinkedIn, Instagram, hmm? Snapchat, LinkedIn, Facebook. Yeah, yeah sure. LinkedIn. What are we at? LinkedIn? It's LinkedIn. LinkedIn and Facebook, yeah. 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 Hmm? I'll add some links so, uh, so people can find you and uh, reach out. Trying to keep the social media to a minimum. Yeah. Perfect. That's also a good habit, not mm -hmm. being too much on. Yeah, sweet. So uh, potentially I can also add emails afterwards. Instead. Yeah. So perfect. Michael and Johannes, thank you so much for being on today. Really appreciate it. It was great. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Island. Be sure to subscribe for more episodes on how to be the best version of yourself. And if you found this show helpful, then please leave us a review so more people will learn about the podcast or share with a friend who can benefit from it too. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.